Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. Ryan Michaels here with your boy Chip Tiernan. What to do? Got a big week. Uh, we got to go over a lot of info. Uh, Eagles news everywhere. Uh, Carson Wentz trade, roster moves, who we're keeping, who we're getting rid of so far. Uh, it, it's looking like it's going to be a big off season. Uh, do you think that we're going to see any more crazy drama? Most likely. We'll probably see some big uh you know, potential cuts and roster moves. And then obviously the draft is going to be a lot of speculation and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We're going to have our predictions on what we think the Eagles are going to do. And, you know, the internet has theirs and they're probably right, but let's go in depth with it and see what's available. And then we can be angry about it after it happens as usual. Right. Exactly. Uh, the Sixers, man, they are struggling. They're not looking like the same team that they have been. Um, the starting five is still on point. They're playing really well. Um, Danny Green was making some really questionable moves. The bench just struggling. Uh, I, I know the season's young. They're, they're 31 games in. I, I just don't know. I, I, this could just be a slump, and I'm hoping that's all it is. Yeah, I, I hope it is too, man. The bench is uh, the bench is really really struggling, especially you know Furcon. Um, and we missed you know we obviously I talked about it last week. We missed Shake a lot last week and. You know, he finally came back, but he kind of struggled a little bit his first game back. So hopefully it's just a slump. Uh, obviously, Embiid and Simmons is playing really well. Um, and then, like you said, Danny Green, you know, he, he's got to, you know, get back to just, you know, being himself. Um, you know, Tobias is kind of dipped a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the biggest thing for me is the bench. And uh, they're just not making shots right now. Well, well, we'll get into the whole outline of what's going wrong with the Sixers. Uh, what Doc Rivers had to say about it, especially uh, he's a great coach and he has some really good insight. And uh, I, I don't think this is going to be something that lasts forever, but let's get to the root cause before we continue to uh, right. talk on the topic. Um, we have the Philly starting spring training. They're up and running. Yep. Uh, they have a couple of key signings this off season. Uh, we're going to talk about the rotation and what can actually get the offense going, and a certain uh, second baseman, can he potentially get it moving? Um, and then we have from the Disciples of Ed podcast with the Annie Podcast team, Stephen Schmidt, one of our Flyers correspondents, for a good interview, talking about the Flyers, their struggles, particularly against the Bruins, and what looks promising about this season. Uh, so we have a lot going for that. And on that note, uh, the Bandwagon Podcast, the Philly Bandwagon Podcast, excuse me, is brought to you by Manscaped. Hey, fellas, we are in the thick of winter and storms are brewing. It looks like one to three inches are in the forecast when you trim that hibernation bush that's taking place in your pants. Luckily, our partners at Manscaped specialize in products to make sure you're walking around town with beautiful snowballs. Manscaped is here to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision engineer tools for your family jewels. I I always I always go back to it, but it's a memory that haunts me. Whenever I put a razor blade to my nuts, I think about that time that I bought that cheap bag of the yellow one blade razors. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And I cut myself pretty bad, and ever since then I just didn't really care very much on how long it got down there because it was like I'd rather it just be long and gross than get cut it again. Then get cut again. It's bad. It, it hurts so bad. But I don't have to worry about that thanks to Manscaped, particularly thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. It's the best hygiene tool for the modern man. And can you tell me why that is? It's because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology. Your snags and your snowballs will be reduced. The trimmer is also waterproof, so you can trim the shower or jacuzzi if you're a savage. Manscaped Performance Package is the best buy of 2021. The Performance Package comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, Weed Whacker, Ear ear and nose hair trimmer performance boxer briefs and a travel bag have you ever noticed how nasty nose and ear hair is in fact 79 percent of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff might as well use the best tools to do the job this bundle this bundle also comes with crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner the crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant that will make your balls smell nice and make you feel like your testes are walking in a winter wonderland the crop reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls it's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will make your balls look up, look up at you and say, hey, thanks. Don't get cold feet this winter. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. 
They also have a ton of other amazing men's hygiene products on their website from disposable mats for your pubes to foot deodorant. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PHL. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PHL. Thanks, Manscaped, for making our winter wieners look so, so good. I got nothing left, Chippy. What you say? Cue the rock music. You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production. Enhancing your Philly sports experience. All right, let's get in the huddle and talk some birds, baby. Go birds. Birds. Go birds. Uh, Carson Wentz has officially been traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a second-round pick and a third-round pick. That second-round pick can become a first-round pick if Carson Wentz plays 75% of snaps or plays 70% of snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. Am I right? That is correct. Good, good. Um, Howie Roseman is dead to me. Yep. Uh, still is dead to me. Uh, there's no way coming back from that. Uh, we are still so far in cap hell. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to I, – I am curious to see how this plays out, how they're going to fix things. They've already cut Deshaun Jackson. They've already cut – guess who? Al Sean Jeffrey. The snake has slithered out of his nest. Yeah, that took two years too long. Yeah, but what that does mean is that potentially we'll see more guys like Travis Fulgham out there, which is good. Yeah, it is good. But here's my take, and I'll, I'll try to make it as quick as possible because we have a we have a uh, you know interview later on. But um, I I'm I was upset, and I still am upset. Obviously, you know I was a big Carson Wentz fan. And I was a big Carson Wentz homer. You know, obviously I get the trade. Obviously, you know, there was rumors that he didn't want to be here. You know, obviously I questioned those, but, you know, he's gone. That's that's basically it. He's gone. Um, Howie Roseman can die. And, you know, that's that's regardless of your opinion. Most people think that and don't like Howie Roseman. Um. And, the, you know, there was a report that the Eagles are looking for competition for Jalen Hurts. And I think that is idiotic because, you know, you, tra- you, you draft him in the second round and basically, you know, you ruin your starters, starter season and then you play him. So now you're going to ruin Jalen Hurts' potential season this year and draft another quarterback or, you know, bring in competition. I think it's stupid. Um, now there, I think all, I think top four quarterbacks in this draft could be better than Jalen Hurts in the long run. But if you drafted Hurts last year in the second round, just then just go with him. That's, that's what I would do. Um, so, you know, again, cause you, you know, you traded well, your starter. Thing. No, gone. but like they, they did that to Wentz last year. Why are you going to put Hurts in the same position? Exactly. Exactly. So. You know, if you if you wanted Hurts all along, you know, give him the reins. Give him he's the starter, no ifs, ands, or buts, and then draft what you need. Um, but is that going to happen? Probably not, because Howie is an idiot, and he's probably going to draft a quarterback, and it's going to be the same thing all over again. So, and then two years from now, we're going to draft another quarterback to replace that quarterback, even though that quarterback's playing well. Correct. Got it. And again, I. And, you know, we've been saying this for the last couple weeks. Could Jalen Hurts be good? Yeah, he could be. You know, obviously he didn't show much last year. He had one good game, in my opinion, last year. Um, But, you know, if you gave him a full season with a healthy offensive line, with with some good weapons, which you could get in the draft, then why not see what he's got? I mean, you know, again, we barely seen him play. So... Why not? Why not let him just give him the reins and and make and this and this is his team because obviously his the teammates they love him. Yeah, you know, they they said he has great mentality. He's a great work ethic. You know, he has they love him. 
I mean, you know, basically everyone has said they love him. So why not give him the reins? Why not let him be the starter and and then draft what you need? Because that's that's what I would do. And because our GM's Howie Roseman. Because our GM's Howie Roseman, and he thinks he's the smartest guy in the world, and he's, but he's not. He's an idiot. So that's all I gotta say. Well, all right. So let's take a look at the draft then. But before we do that, I just want to say, I hope Carson Wentz does well. You know, I hope all the power to him. I love him. I I wish he stayed, but obviously he didn't. Things didn't work out. So I hope he has a lot of success in Indianapolis. And that's all I gotta say. I hope so. Uh, yeah, the draft. Let's let's talk about that. Yeah. So the draft. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that Jalen they they do announce Jalen Hurts as the starter, which for the love of God, please just, do. I mean, you know, again, you know, we, we already explained why. Just do it. They're obviously going to draft a quarterback. <laughs> yes. And I mean that seriously, and I wish I did. Yeah, I do too. In in the correct world, they'd be drafting a wide receiver, preferably one of Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, or Jalen Waddle. Yes. Um, and if they don't go with one of those three, uh, maybe go with Patrick Sertan, which I'd yeah. also be fine with. Would you? Yes. I'd be fine with that, yeah. Okay. Uh, why would you go with those three wide receivers? What, they're generational talents, obviously, but what, what would it take Howie Roseman to draft one of those guys? It would take uh, – I don't know what it would take, honestly. I, I mean, I really do think he's fixated on bringing in competition. I really do. I mean, he said it himself that we're a quarterback factory. Uh, probably the most stupid phrase that he's ever said. Uh, but he said it, and he probably still believes it. So I really don't think there's anything that Jalen Hurts can do. I mean, he's doing everything right, in my opinion. He's do, you know he, uh, you know he's donating to charity. You know he's doing stuff around the community. Um, you know he's working out with a bunch of the young receivers that we have later on in the off season. Um, Listen, so Chip, just because hurts, you donate to charity in this city doesn't mean that the organization won't throw true. you under the bus and make that you seem true. like a piece of crap because they have the media ties to do that and then lie about you behind your back, make sure that you're made, your Im- reputation and image is sullied, and then trade you for little to nothing and act like they did nothing for you. Well, it did everything for you, and they actually did nothing. Exactly. Don't, don't forget that. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, Jalen Hurts is doing everything right. So, you know, I don't think he can do anything more to prove to Howie and and the front office that he should be the starter. Um, Because, again, I think he should be. Um, If, like, because, again, you know, we already said it. But um, it's just a weird situation. It just is. Uh, You know, there's there's, something. I've never seen anything like this happen where you have a starter who gets traded, but you have a backup. But then you look to draft another quarter. Like I just don't. I it, it doesn't make sense to me. So again, if it's me, I'm taking one of those three guys. And if they're gone, you know, maybe Sertan. But I'm not taking a quarterback at six if it's me. But it very, very well could happen. So don't be surprised when it does happen. Or we draft Kyle Pitts at six. Um. Why would but, we yeah. draft Kyle Pitts, though? Like, I, I know he's talented, but why? We already have Dallas Goddard. Well, the argument could be made. Oh, he can play outside, too. But when you well, have that. a literal wide receiver talent like you've yeah, never that. seen before, why would you try to draft a multi-talented, like someone who's kind of like, okay, on the outside and good at tight end when you have someone who you need desperately on the outside? Yeah, no, I agree. Um Especially after making, botching the last two wide receiver drafts. Yeah, well, again, I 100% agree with that. But there's people saying, and not necessarily, I don't like it's. I don't agree with this what they're saying. But you know, we've run two tight end sets in the past, and we're probably going to trade or cut Zach Ertz, so we'll have Goddard and Pitts. But you know, I think Goddard can be a fine, obviously a fine number one. If you're going to run two tight end sets, just go out and you know get one for cheap. Like you can get a backup tight end for cheap. So. Who can, you know, who can just catch the ball and then just get like a good blocker and you'll be fine. Because Dallas Goddard is a good catcher and he's a good blocker. So if you have one on the other side, just get a good pass catcher or just a good blocker and you'll be fine. Like you don't need to track, you don't need to dress and like take someone who's just going to be a like your your second tight end basically at number six when you have so many other needs. 
Um, so I 100% agree. I think if they're, you know, if one of those guys are there, you got to take them. Uh, but again, RGM is an idiot. Um, but for me, it's Jamar Chase all day. Uh, for most people, it's Jamar Chase. That's their number one guy. Uh, some people have Devontae Smith as their number one receiver. Um, I, mean, I even saw someone who had Jalen Waddles as their top receiver. Um, so I think all the three, all three of those guys are going to be really good. Uh, I think Jamar Chase especially is going to be really, really good. I think, I mean, all three of those guys are going to be really, really good. Um, so that's, that's the move for me, man. Um, but again, I wouldn't be mad if Sertan, um, so that's, that's what we're looking at right now. But this, again, this team has so many holes. We are not going to be good next year. Uh, unless Jalen Hurts is this this uh, you know savior that we didn't even expect, uh, we are probably not going to be good next year. That's all I got to say. So even if he is a savior that we didn't expect, I don't expect to be over 500 next year. Yeah, I mean, because again, this you know even with even if we do draft relatively well, which is again not going to happen because we have Howie, but even if we do, there's still so many things we need. You know that are going to take probably a few years to address. Mm-hmm. And plus the cap situation is just brutal. Like, cause we're eating, you know, $34 million dead cap this year. So there's probably not much, much we can do in free agency. And then hopefully we have to restructure year, a lot of contracts. To begin to with. Yeah. Lots of restructure, maybe Lane Johnson, maybe uh, Brandon Brooks. Cause he'll, he'll be coming back healthy. Hopefully next year. Uh, maybe Javon Hargrave, who we signed last year. Um, so, yeah, there'll definitely be some restructures going on. Um, probably some cuts, some tough cuts, because, you know, again, if we don't trade Zach Ertz, he's gone no matter what. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough, tough offseason. I'm still looking forward to the draft. I look forward to the draft every year. Uh, it's one of my favorite things during the year, but. Uh, yeah, so it's there's, it's going to be a lot of tough decisions made this year, um, and uh, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough offseason. I mean, we're going to lose Zach Ertz. Uh, yeah. We might see some people go in trades that we didn't expect. Yep. Um, this offseason is really going to dictate a lot of how the franchise moves forward, and I don't, I just don't see how it moves forward efficiently with Howie Roseman at the helm. I uh, 100%. You know, back in the past, he might have made some really good draft picks with Andy Reid. Uh, but over, over the last uh, what, the last half a decade, six, seven years, not really much has come. Yep. Uh, hasn't drafted a pro bowler other than Carson Wentz. Let me put it this way now. Uh, hasn't drafted a pro bowler that's still on the team. Yep. In quite a long time. And. The last it's, one was Brandon Graham, who made his, his first Pro Bowl this year. So, it's... or No, Fletcher, I don't even know who it was, but still. I don't care. Because Chip Kelly was... He, he drafted one year or two years or something like that. Well, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's not many. I mean, obviously, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. But other than that, there's relatively been none. We have a long off season ahead of us, buddy. Yes, we do. We got a lot of complaining to do, don't we, buddy? Oh yeah. We got a lot of pain coming up, don't we, buddy? Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for hopping on board with us, cause uh, you're going to be with us for that ride. Yes, you are. Well, since we do have a pretty lengthy interview coming up, uh, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the Sixers. They're struggling, man. The bench is getting outscored like crazy. Furkan Korkmaz has lost his mind in <laughs> yeah, the bad he way. He has. He really has. Um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are playing really well, uh, especially Ben. I mean, obviously, Joel Embiid's playing at MVP level. Uh, but Ben Simmons, man, he's been he's been great. Uh, the last three games, he's ad- averaging like 27 points. Um no, he had an illness, but he came back and had 28 last night against Toronto. So I'm loving, I'm loving what Ben Simmons has been doing. Uh, Joel Embiid even said that he loves Ben Simmons' aggressiveness. Um, so hopefully Ben can keep that up, and you know Embiid can keep up. Obviously, this unbelievable pace. 
Um, Tobias Harris uh, is still playing re- really well. Um, but again, there's there's a few games where he just goes cold. Uh, last night, I think he went one of nine from three. Um, so, you know, hopefully he can bounce back. Um, Seth Curry has been Seth Curry. He's been fine. Uh, Danny Green's been not great. Uh, there's some games where he has a, has a good game, but, um, and I, I, you know, I like his, I like his defense for even, you know, even for how old he is. Um, but there's some games where he just, again, he just goes cold. Um, so, but yeah, the biggest thing for me right now is the bench. Uh, like you said, Furkan has been really, really bad. Uh, man, he can't, he can't buy a shot right now. Um, hopefully it's just him going into a funk. Hopefully he can bounce back out of it. Um, you know, we haven't, you know, earlier in the season, we were calling Tyrese Maxey's name a lot. He's kind of died down a little bit. Uh, he's still playing well, in my opinion, but, you know, that 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 hype kind of went down a little bit. Um, you know, Matisse Thibel coming off the bench, obviously, you know, what you're getting with him. It's just pure defense, uh, but his offense has not been good at all. Um, it's If he can develop a shot, man, he'd be a great, a great, great, great bench player, but... Just right now, his offense isn't there. Uh, so you're just, you know, you're playing him for his defense. Um, I love what Dwight Howard's brought. Uh, I've been saying that for weeks now. Um, you know, he doesn't have to do too much. You know, he plays 15 to 20 minutes a game. You know, if he can get six to eight points and, and eight to ten rebounds a game, that's all we need from him. Because uh, obviously we have Embiid, who's been unbelievable. So, you know, that's all we need out of him. Um, but that being said, you know, the bench has been bad. Um, so I think, uh, I think a move will be made, uh, come the trade deadline. It's not going to be a big move. Um, but I think, I think a move has to be made to address the scoring, um, from the bench. Cause you know, when shake's not there, there's no one else who can, you know, be that scorer who comes off the bench. So I think we need someone else to, to, to be that role. So uh, if there are any moves to be specifically made, are you looking for someone who's a key defensive player that someone that could shoot the ball off the bench or do we need someone to fit into the starting rotation? Um, I don't think you need, uh, I don't know. Cause I mean, you could, you could have someone who can, who could start for you, maybe put um, Danny Green on the bench. Uh, but I don't think it needs to be crazy. I don't think it needs to be any big move. I just want someone who can score, like who can, who can create their own shot. Uh, because, you know, the only guy we have on the bench who can do that is Shake Milton. And, again, he's been out for the last week or, or so. So when we don't have him, there's no one else who can do that. Um, so, yeah, obviously someone who can shoot. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily think you need a great defender. Um, for me, I think you just need a scorer uh, coming off of the bench. So that's what, I would, that's what I would try to look for. Okay. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you. It's just sometimes – I kind of go back and forth with Danny Green. Uh, I saw in the Toronto game, he was just making terrible mental errors and he yeah. fouled out on the loose ball foul. I mean, that that can't happen in tight games like that. And it, it obviously was detrimental. Uh, I don't I don't even really know who to go after at this point. But I know that the bench, it, it, and it just started happening in the last five or six games. Yeah. But the bench has just been horrendous. Yeah, it's been it's been real bad. So I don't know, man. Do do you have any like insight at all on why the bench is playing this bad other than Furcon? No, it's just I mean, they they just they they gone cold. Um and again, I I've been saying this for weeks too or last week I've said that they miss Shake Milton a lot. Um you know, cuz he's the only guy who can create his own shot off the bench. So other than Tyrese Maxey, maybe, but, um, I don't think Tyrese, like he's not there yet. Um, fully like shake Milton is in my opinion. So, you know, if shake goes cold or, or he's out for whatever reason, there's not really a guy you can look to, to be that main scorer who comes off the bench. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and, you know, we saw it last night. Shake Milton did have a good game. He went like three of seven from the field. So I think you just need someone who can do what Shake does as well, just in case, you know, Shake does have a bad night or, you know, some injury happens. So, you know, you, you can never have enough scoring. Um, and I think that's what the Sixers need right now. Yeah, 
that's where we're at. Uh, what they got six, seven more games until the All Star break. Of yeah. what, three days anyway. Uh, I, I hope that they can finish off for this half of the season. What'd you say, sir? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I hope that they can finish off this first half of the season hot. Yeah. But. Well, I was just saying, can, can they just, for the love of God, can they beat Toronto on the road? I mean, the last time we beat Toronto on the road, not including playoffs, was when Doug Collins was coach. So, for the love of God, come! I mean, we can beat Toronto. Like, come on now. Can we, though? Yes, we can. <laughs> Maybe not last year, but this year we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I hate Toronto. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I learned one thing. Um, there's only one organization's like fan base that I truly do despise. Actually, two. There's two organizations in the NBA whose fan base I just cannot stand. Boston. And Boston's one of them. And can you guess who the other one is? Toronto. No. Uh... The most – they're very, very toxic. I mean – Very toxic? Yeah, dude. They'll pull up tweets from like ten years ago and then like ream you out for it randomly after they sucked for eight years. Are they in the East Coast or West Coast? They're in the East. Okay. And they're they're Southern. Southern. Oh, Miami Heat. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those fans are relentless. They will find your address and dox you without even questioning what you did. If someone in the Miami Heat fan base said that you said something bad about Jimmy Butler, they will dox you, your family, your newborn child, tell you, tell criminals where the hospital that you, your child was born at without even questioning it. I swear to God, it's that bad. Well, it didn't help that, you know, obviously we had Jimmy Butler and then he went there. You know what I mean? Right, so. right. But no, I'm, I'm talking about more than that. I'm talking about every single game I see or every single tweet that I see that's a, about the Heat. Their fans are all over it. I mean, like, it is like, whoa. You know who has a punchable face? Kelly Olenek? Tyler, Tyler Hero. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I don't even hate Tyler Hero, but I agree with you. Yeah, he does. I mean, yeah, because I don't, I don't hate him either. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a good three-point shooter, but I don't know. Like, he's just – like, he's so skinny and – like doesn't look like a basketball player, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't look like an NBA player. And no, you know, you know what it is. I I, I, listen, and it goes back to the fans. I think it's because there was a poll that I saw. I forget who put it up. It might've been ESPN. If the heat had to give up Tyler hero to get James Harden, would you do it? And heat fans said, no. I was like, are you high? What? (laughs) Are you high? (laughs) Idiotic. Like that's yes. Your answer should have been yes. (laughs) Yeah, no question. But that's, that's just me. Maybe they have a sentimental attachment to him. We've like, I have a sentimental attachment to Mike Scott and Tyrese (laughs) Maxey, but uh, yeah. Only reason I wouldn't get, the only reason I wouldn't give up Maxey is because he's so young. That's it. He's like, we just picked him. Well, here's like, and that's the thing too. Like, if if it were to like, obviously this wouldn't happen. But if if it was straight up James Harden for Tyrese Maxey, you're doing mm-hmm. that day long. Done. That's what I'm saying. Like, people are like, oh, if you have to give up Tyrell Hero for James Harden, would you do it? Yeah, I would. Yeah. So that's not. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I mean. Like, like, you didn't want Tyrese Maxey to be involved in the trade, along with like Ben Simmons and like five first. You know what I'm saying? I think that's what that's what the thing was too. Did did you want Tyler Hero involved in the trade? Okay, okay. But I mean, I mean, if I'm the Heat, I mean, I think I would because I mean, you still have good shooters. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. But again, I'm not a a Miami Heat fan, so I wouldn't know. But Uh, yep, and I'm going to move on before they haunt me. Yes. So we have a pretty good interview coming up. Uh, We're going to be talking flyers for the next about 20 minutes or so. So getting into it, we have Stephen Schmidt from the Disciples of Ed podcast, part of the Any Podcast team. Uh, He's been on the podcast before, really knowledgeable with hockey. We go into everything from Carter Hart struggles to the Boston Bruins struggles to what we're going to do with the expansion draft this offseason. So uh, we hope you enjoy listening, and we'll be right back after the interview. And we welcome on Stephen Schmidt from the Disciples of Ed podcast. Welcome on, Steve. How you doing? 
Good. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Hey, anytime at all, man. You know, anytime Big Flyers news happens, you're a go-to guy. Um, we just got absolutely destroyed by the Bruins, so we figured <laughs> it would be nice to have a guy come on and tell us why we suck so bad. <laughs> oh, I'm, I am that guy. <laughs> but let's start off with some positives. Um, going, going off of last year, looking into this year, uh, we see younger guys like Joel Farabee. He had eight goals all of last year. He already has eight goals. It looks like his level of play is really... Um, expedited and excelled into a professional level what do you see from him and what do you see from the younger guys on the rest of the team well Faraby it just seems like it's all coming together I wouldn't really say that he's doing much differently from last year uh he's just just I, I guess just say he's really just playing with a little bit more confidence like he kind of understands what to do what he can do and when to do it um and that's it's great to see um because he he's got the talent, you know. He's a high, like around like fifteenth ish uh, in the first round, and for him to develop kind of this quickly, it's it's great to see from him. Um, as for younger guys um, that are doing well with us right now, it's really just we we came into the season thinking, you know, this is the most depth we've ever had. It's really being put to the test right now with the COVID situation going on. But you now it's not much positives i would say so far i mean sandheim and myers they are, are continuing to play well together that seems like a very foundational second pair that we can build off of it's just kind of finding that guy to play with Provorov for the long term and uh friedman i like what i've seen from mark friedman i just don't think he's really getting an opportunity from av uh to show it i know he kind of did his trying to boost his confidence by saying hey we need to see more and it worked with a guy like obi kubel last year who is playing about average, Abi Kubel is. Uh, based off last year, I think he, he was much better last year, but this year he's kind of like settled into like that fourth-line role, and then we see him going up into the top six with the COVID situation. He he shows what he has. Uh, I, I just want to see a little bit more of last year's uh, knack to his game. But overall, he hasn't done terrible. It's, it's really, you know... Carter Hart, he's going through a bit of a struggle right now, but we've seen how great he can be. It's just a matter of the defense, the overall the team defense isn't really helping him out, and he can't bail him out every single time. And we mentioned it before uh, we got on. You know, when you're getting 40, 40-ish shots against, your save, percent, save percentage is either going to look really good or not so good, and it's it's not looking too great right now, but I'm confident that this young kid can bounce back on that. I think that's something that a lot of people do forget is how young Carter Hart really is. This is a kid out there, and he's already shown us what he can do. But he's not going to have a good game every single time he goes out there, as we saw on Sunday with the Lake Tahoe game. Right. There was a couple of – he just had a bad shift a couple of times, and yeah. there's only so much you can do. Yeah, it seems like he my, – my main concern with Carter Hart this year has been it seems like – we give up one goal and that it seems like another's going in within 90 or so seconds, which kind of demoralizes the team. And it's something where Carter Hart, he just got to, you know, get back to just get back focused and just focus on making that next save. It's just sometimes so far this year, that next save attempt, it's, it's going in. And some of the goals he's let in have not looked pretty, but he still makes like the more overly, you know, difficult saves so it's just about finding a median and fixing the team defense in front of them because i i'm a little bit concerned right now with carter hart but i am i have full faith that he can get it back together now a question to follow up with carter hart i noticed uh when the flyers do play the bruins and pasternak specifically he scored three times within the first minute of a period is this carter hart just getting settled in and just not being prepared to take on the shots it could be, but David Pasternak is one elite sniper. Um, he he gets to he gets to those dirty areas and he's able to snipe within like a couple feet of the crease. He's just he's just that good. Um, he definitely has Carter Hart's number right now, and I in the future I would you would want Carter Hart to go back out there and you know have the confidence to be able to stop a guy like David Pasternak. But like I said, he's He's elite. He's got one hell of a shot. He's just very good 
all around in that offensive zone, makes a lot of plays. But Carter Hart just needs to, you know, kind of get back down and figure out what he isn't really able to do right now that he was before. Because Boston, we we didn't have any trouble with Boston last year. It's just this year, all of a sudden, no Chara, and they're just kicking our ass. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the whole confidence thing with Carter Hart. That was my that was going to be my question. You know, do you think, you know, um, and I obviously I know, you know, it's the, the shortened off season and the whole COVID situation obviously isn't helping a young guy like that. But do you think his confidence is waning at this point? Because we saw a couple weeks ago, you know, that he kind of let out of uh, like he, he like you know, was smashing his stick, at, you know, obviously frustrated. Do you think his confidence is waving at all? I, I, I would say yes. I love seeing him take his anger out on that stick, even though oh, it took him about 15 swings to, to get <laughs> yeah. it broken twice. Um, it was it was great to see. I love to see that energy. But I, I do think his confidence is kind of wavering because he's just not getting the help. Yeah. And that that's pretty big. You know, he, you know he's going to make some big-time stops. But when he doesn't and kind of lets in a softy, it, it's demoralizing. It, it really does suck. Yeah. But I... I fully think that he can overcome this. The one major thing I have against Carter Hart is his puck handling. I'm yeah. scared to death every time he, he goes out to, to touch the puck with his stick. But that's that's one thing, you know, that, that'll come in year like years practice, but yeah. Everything else, you know, he he sh- he he can he'll show how like focused and calm he usually is and then you see him breaking his stick and you're like okay, cool, something's going on. Right. We thought that would turn it, but it really hasn't turned it in the right direction. He's still kind of going through, like, these waves of good, bad, great, terrible. It's just, it's a rough time. And as you mentioned, you know, there was no preseason. There was hardly a training camp. So a lot of these guys, and I think the majority of the problems with the team overall, was that they didn't have, like, that preseason or even, like, training camp to really get going. And we kind of saw it a lot around the league. Uh, It kind of affects them, but... When you get to 13 games in, you're still winning games. And then the COVID situation hits, puts your season on pause for about a week. And then you have to go right back out there. It's it's tough. It's a tough season, but they really just have to get their uh, get their act together, you know? Yep. So going off of that, we talk about the defensive struggles and Carter Hart struggles. Um, and you talked earlier about the depth and how we thought that we did have one of the deepest rosters we've seen in a long time. Uh, when we missed Couturier, we saw how much of an impact he had on the lineup. When we're going through this COVID situation, we're just seeing the offense offense can't quite get it clicking the way that they usually do. With the COVID situation beginning to wrap up uh, rather than still being in the middle of it, do you think we're going to pick back up? Or is this a problem that's lingered throughout the season that we're just seeing uh, exasperated now? Um, it, it's interesting. When Couturier was out, uh, we knew what was going to happen, basically. And it did happen where we were getting hemmed in our own zone. You know, we weren't really our transition game wasn't really quite there. Couturier is phenomenal in the neutral zone, especially. And that was kind of hit or miss and really asking a lot of Kevin Hayes in that situation to take over. Uh, Nolan Patrick, he had a few good games as well. But then, you know, it kind of kind of teeters off because as when you're missing your best player, your best forward at least in Sean Couturier, to to survive like they did was commendable. But then when he comes back, we immediately go into a COVID situation. Now we're now missing Voracek, Giroux, Scott Law, and the great depth piece. Uh, it's it's just tough. Uh, missing Konechny as well, who hasn't been having a great year. But the when we get these guys back we should see the offense kind of tick back up where it's not just JVR having the season of all seasons that he'll ever have. But it's, you'll see, you know, before we're getting outshot, we continue to get outshot. It's a major problem. But before with everybody healthy or even sans Sean Couturier, the puck was going into the net. And that was where we're like, Hey, this is what we're talking about. The great depth. They're able to put the puck in, but the overall team play has been, kind of kind of not good it's been pretty pretty awful but they still managed to pull out wins because they could figure it out in the offensive zone pretty quickly and score in bunches but when the COVID situation hit I was like okay we just have to survive and getting a point against the Rangers that was kind of surviving kind of figured Boston would 
manhandle us like they did. So we just have to move past it. <laughs> Steve, I'll be straight up honest. With the last Boston game in Lake Tahoe, I went to the bathroom to go pee, and I <laughs> came back out, and Boston scored twice. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It, it's kind of a recurring theme this year is where we, we're giving up two goals in the span of 90-ish seconds, and, and it's it's just terrible. It's It really, really hurts You know your confidence. You, know, you could have been making a major swing in the momentum, and then that happens, and then it's reversed complete 180 it hurts it's something they really have to get together and it's all about the overall like team defense transitional play that's just not there like it was last year and is that purely because Matt Niskan is not here anymore it's tough to say then you're really either overrating Matt Niskan or we were underrating him last year even though we were praising him but for a single guy on defense to be missing like that and then just this complete 180 in play that we got used to seeing was so well last year. Now it's just complete bad. It's just, it's just tough to see and just trying to get it together. You know, the whole team's having a hard time getting it together. I mean, yeah. offensively, even with everyone healthy, we, some games we were only getting 15 at the most 20 shots a game. Uh, how are you actually going to win games on the offensive side like that? Um, well, they, they did it for the first, you know, 10 games where they were able to score in bunches. They were got, able to get a prime power play opportunity and capitalize on it. And that's a big part of Claude Giroux being there and JVR having, again, this revenge tour of a season where he's just absolutely like going out there and just killing it. Like he fully bought into the system and it seems like it's only true, truly working out for him and Farabee. But getting 15 shots on that a game is it's bad. We're the worst in the league at it. Yet we're still above 500, still kind of in the in a playoff position right now. Last I checked, but it's just they have to get this transitional game going to get the puck out of the defensive zone into the neutral zone, then to the offensive zone, and then try to establish a presence there. They have been doing that but they're just making one too many passes or their shots are getting blocked. And it's just really tough, tough to watch. Yeah. And I, I want to talk defensively real quick again, because you mentioned this kid and, and, you know, possibly, you know, how him, how they're missing him right now. Um, you know, obviously when, when he retired, I was surprised. I'm sure a lot of people were, but um, you know, I was kind of hoping that, you know, somebody, somebody maybe would step up, uh, you know, when, when, when he, when he was now that he's gone, um, and, you know, particularly for me, it was, uh, you know, maybe Ghost w- was going to be that way. Uh, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on Ghost's play as of, as of this year? I, I don't think he's done terribly. Um, he's trying to rekindle that chemistry with Provrov that he showed during the Hackstall years. Yeah. I think they had one full year to the top pair, and they did pretty well, given the system that Hackstall was running, which was very, very tough to watch for all those years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... I, I, th- I think he's done fine with Provorov. It's just a matter of the other pairs, you know, getting it right. together. I mean, Sanheim Myers, they played well together. Myers was a guy who I thought if they gave him the chance with Provorov, they would show Myers' development because I think he has top pair potential, even if he's just going to kind of settle in on the second pair. But I was hoping that would be attempted, and it's only been attempted for like a few periods. But it's also, you, you don't want to be so top-heavy on your defense. I mean, Provorov's playing 25, 26 minutes a night right now. Right. And then you have guys like Robert Hag, who I'm, I love the idea of him, but he's not hes not that great. He's a third-pair guy. But you just, you can't find, like, a good mesh for the third pair yet. And that's kind of really brought them down. My Going into the season without Niskanen and the moves they made, Eric Gustafsson was 100% the wrong um, you're you're trying to replace a two-way guy in Niskanen with a guy who's just complete offense from the back end in Gustafson. Right. And people say, hey, that's that's Shane Gossespierre as well. Shane Gossespierre has at least solidified his defensive game a little bit more than Gustafson's ever shown in his career. Ghost shows, you know, playing with Provorov that he can handle himself defensively. He's just going to make, you know, that what looks like a, a catastrophe of a mistake because he's, he's due for that, but he's always going to make the flashy play, and that's what he is. Uh, but I was hoping Provorov, Myers, Sanheim, Braun, they played well together. 
uh, last year, but Braun is just, he looks shot. Yeah. He's just too slow. And we kind of saw in the playoffs last year, and they still gave him a two-year deal, which I thought was kind of, you know, for the money, yeah, sure, it's fine, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't look like he's up to speed to at least play in this conference. Maybe in the West he could he could deal, but it's not working out here. And Mark Freeman, like I said earlier, I like the potential Mark Freeman to be just a safe, sound third pair guy, but they haven't really given him that opportunity. So it's it's a matter of just trying to get this chemistry going to go and do what they want to do on the ice. But it's it's a major work in progress, and I think it's something that will have to be filled by like a rental trade around the deadline. Okay. So going into that, do you see any moves that would pique the Flyers' interest? Uh, Matthias Ekholm on Nashville. There was an article, uh, LeBron Pierre LeBron on the Athletic. Uh, he mentioned the Flyers as a pot- possible destination, but there's some uh, expansion draft uh, implications next year about who you really want to keep you could just be trading for him and then losing him in that draft mm. which if you think about that then it's still a rental and that's fine you can protect anybody everybody else that you want to but he's also a left-handed defenseman who you know we're trying to find like there's three right-handed defensemen because that's what the league likes one lefty one righty but he's he would be a perfect fit but other than that it's you know there's victor mete in montreal he's been kind of thrown around in rumors I'm not sure if he's really the guy. I think it's just a, it, it was an oversight in the offseason when Niskanen retired. And they knew he was going to retire beforehand. And then they swiftly extended Braun and then waited about a week or so and signed Gustafson, which was not the it was complete opposite of a move that they should have made. But I, I do think that they will end up making a trade. I'm just not sure who it's going to be for yet or even outside of the two guys I mentioned who would be available yet because we still got a little bit to go before the deadline. So, also the also the the quarantine protocols if you're trading with Canada that that kind of you know blocks whoever you're getting for two uh, weeks. That's something I didn't even think about. Yeah. That's what I think time. about these things. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I, I know this is kind of just a flyer question out here, uh, no pun intended there, but <laughs> with the expansion draft coming this offseason, we're seeing some players play much better than they have in the past and others just struggle. Do you think that there's going to be any big names that are going to be left off of our protection list? Uh, JVR, Shane Gossespierre. Uh, I, I think those two are the, the most likely to be selected. I think it's a toss-up right now. But Seattle could also want to go for a cheaper guy, like someone like Aubie Kubel, uh, where they know that he'll be able to kind of fit in their bottom bottom nine or bottom six. I'm sorry. And you know, kill, he can kill penalties. He can play on the power play. He's he'll be a cheap option. That's just something that they could do, unless we give him a draft pick to really try to get us out of this JVR uh, contract. But when you see how JVR is playing this year, it kind of makes you think twice. But at the same time, you'd be getting $7 million in cap space that you could potentially use on a defenseman to pair with Provorov. Hmm. So it's just going to be an interesting situation to watch play out. Um, second expansion draft in, what, five years? Uh, yeah. I, I still can't believe that uh, Vegas took Belmar when they did. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a bigger name then, but, you know, Belmar's really carved out a niche in the NHL. And I, I loved Belmar. I just thought he was played a little bit too much, but I'm glad to see that. Part of me, he's having a good, a good career outside of here. So that's you know, when you look at that history of Belmar being taken, that's where I think Albi Cabell could potentially be like the forgotten pick by Seattle. Yeah, I didn't expect Pierre Edward Belmar to get picked there either, but yeah, it is what it is. I I, I don't know very much what's going to happen in the off season. It's going to be very interesting to see how they play it out. Uh, but I do want to get to one topic at hand that's been just bugging me all year long. And uh, Chip and I have talked about it quite frequently. Why the hell can't we beat the Bruins, Steve? <laughs> As I was alluding to earlier, we, we handled them last year. We were 2-1 and one against them, I believe. And one of those wins was Marshan whiffing on the shootout, which was hilarious. <laughs> we'll never forget it. It's a moment that will live in infamy. Um, he, he, Right now, it's just... We've just been playing awful. 
Boston is a very, very well-run organization. It pains me to say it, but it's true. Every year, it seems like there's some guy on their team who scores 20 goals that I'd never heard of, <laughs> just, which is crazy for me because I, I, I do my due diligence on on these things. But like the, they'll just have a guy who's just there. I'm like, oh, okay, fourth-round pick, and he just scored like 15, 20 goals. This is why they continue to always compete. And then Tuga Reyes is always playing out of his mind against us. Uh, but their their defense is kind of like kind of higher draft picks that are just like carving out their role as like solid guys and their system works and David Pasternak just continues to to just eat us. It's it's been terrible. I think the Pasternak Bergeron Marchand line has just been completely dominating us. And when we're playing them without Giroux and Lawton to try to alleviate, you know the coverage on them, it, it kind of hurts, but it's, I wish I had a better answer than what I'm giving you. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, it was a matter of time. Basically they, we were okay against them last year. This year, it's just, if, if you want a, a really, really bad answer, I blame my host Rob at the disciples of Ed. Cause he thought we would sweep them in that first two game <laughs> series. And then they, murdered us and i was like well this is all your fault rob so, so blame rob my host <laughs> i mean it's not just murder they're scoring four or five goals a game minimum against us yeah i i don't know what it is it does the defense just choke that much or as you alluded to earlier with Pasternak, is he just that good of a sniper out there oh he definitely is he he's on a steal of a contract too he he is that good and we Maybe it was, again, Niskanen last year was able to kind of contain him. We just haven't found someone to be able to do that against the Bruins uh, outside of Provorov doing his best, but he's hardly has a, a partner there that's as good as him defensively, so it's been rough. And uh, just to really wrap up, I know you talked about the Bruins' draft, cho- draft, draft choices and how they've really bolstered their roster. Uh, when you look at the Flyers' past draft choices, do, do you see the Flyers drafting well, especially since the departure of uh, Hextall? Yeah, yeah, more or less. Um, I mean, it's tough to tough to like really judge it, you know, this early into you know, Fletcher's had what two drafts? Cam York mm-hmm. looks like a stud, but he's still going to take some time to develop. Um, everybody else is Hextall's picks. Like we're really here to reap what Hextall got us so a lot of the guys that are really coming up now are Hextall's guys and I think Hextall did a fantastic job drafting it's just the potential of are these guys really going to be game breakers Joel Farabee's proving like he might Nolan Patrick history concerns kind of you really want to see a lot more out of him and I think that his future could be up in the air he might be a potential trade for a defenseman uh not necessarily at the deadline but maybe in the offseason while he's still a restricted free agent um, but you know, Cam York looks good. Uh, this, this guy's Zide wisdom. I think he was our fourth round pick in the past draft. He's got three goals in like five games with the Phantoms right now. So he looks like he could really carve out a role, uh, with the team in the future. But I, I hate, I hate making these calls so early after a draft. Um, it is premature, but yeah. from what you've seen so far, I mean, they have the right idea. It's just a matter of, is it going to work out? Cause like I said, Hextall's picks. He seemed like, you know, he he got these guys with a lot of high potential, a lot of good hockey, like hockey IQ, good awareness, but it's just taking some time for them to get it together, and then injuries happen, and it kind of delays the development. So I, I don't think Fletcher's done a bad job with drafting, but it is still really too early to make a judgment call yet. I got you. I, I, I just worry about this year. After watching so much bad hockey over the last decade, <laughs> I need something going for me. I agree that the Hextall, the Hackstall years. I'm sorry, they they did that on purpose. He he only hired Hackstall just to mess us up with our words. Um, it it was so bad to watch, not just because it was bad hockey, but it was also boring hockey. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know after going through the the stress of that um, and the the seemingly never ending sight of these veterans playing over the younger guys. It was a huge struggle. But then AV comes in last year. We're a little bit more exciting. We were actually dominating play for a good majority, you know, going into the the end of the season. 
uh, we were the hottest team in the league. And then playoffs, we continued that right up until we had two very, very bad matchups against Montreal and the Islanders. So it, it kind of like ran its course, but we were actually seeing like the potential of this team, which is why it's so heartbreaking right now to see how much we're struggling, yet we're still pulling out wins. Yeah, I mean, like it, the way I put it, and it, you, you can ask Chip to verify this, the, the Flyers eventually come out looking like dead fish occasionally. <laughs> they look, as you said earlier, shot. They don't even want to be there. They're still at home. They're hungover. Whatever it is, <laughs> they look it. And why the whole team? Why do they always look so sluggish? And it's not from time to time. I'd say it's once every three games. Yeah, I agree. And we've gotten to more fast starts this year as as in the past where it seemed like we were always down. And then pulling it together in the third period, waiting for a power play or to pull the goalie. And we've kind of fallen back into that this year um, where we, we blow it with these two goals in quick succession. And then we have to fight our way back. And then, and then next thing you know, it's the third period. We're down by one. And we are praying for a power play just so Eric Stoffson can do his one thing he's good at, which is throw the puck on net on the power play. And JVR can tip it. And then we're tied. And then we take stupid penalties, then shoot ourselves in the foot, um, and then blow it in overtime because we can't kill four on three. <laughs> but it, it definitely is frustrating. But you can – I don't know about you guys, but I can see the potential this team has, and they play to that maybe like every other game or so, but they always, always end up shooting themselves in the foot at one point or the other during a game, and then they have to fight and claw back. They, they, they do it, and they do that well. You just wish that you didn't have to see it so often. Yeah, they, they shouldn't dig themselves the hole in the first place, but it seems like they just let it happen. Right. It's the Flyers' way. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I, I don't really have anything left to add. Chip, do you have any further questions? No, that was spot on, man. Well, Steve, now it's your time. Go ahead and promote what you got to promote and say what you got to say. Um, we, as the Disciples of Ed podcast... Uh, we record every Tuesday, usually get it out on Wednesdays. I am also open to if anybody else is doing their thing and like me to come on, maybe build something as well, reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Schmitty324. Um, my podcast, Disciples of Ed, is at, Disciple, at Disciples of Ed. Sorry. And we are, you can find us, you know, ev- anywhere you get your podcasts. I've been, I personally use Spotify. That's where I listen to the majority of my podcasts. But if you just want to hear a more combative, combative Steve, I usually am calling out my host on some of his BS and it's usually a good listen. All right. Well, you heard him. Go ahead and listen to disciples of Ed on uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever podcasts are available. He's probably there. Um, we thank you for coming on, Steve. We really appreciate your insight and we look forward to hearing from you next time. Yep. Pleasure. All right, and we just want to thank Steve for coming on. Again, go follow The Disciples of Ed. Uh, That's going to be on podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you find a podcast, he's probably there. Uh, He gives really good insight on the Flyers, and we wanted to have a good conversation after that massacre that happened at Lake Tahoe yesterday and see what really is the issue going on. And um, take a listen and um, make sure you really do listen. He's a really knowledgeable guy, and we appreciate you coming on. Uh, But now we move on to our Philly segment, so let's walk it off for the first time since the Vietnam War. (laughs) And, all right, I have a couple questions for you, and let me know what you think. Will Reese Hoskins go back to being a good average hitter? I hope so. Uh, I think he will. Um, Because last year, you know, before he got hurt, you know, he was playing well, so... You know, if he can, you know, do what he did last year, basically, uh, before he got hurt, then, yeah, I think he'll be fine. Um, I think a good range for him, you know, is not not great, but, you know, I think a good range for him is around 250 because, um, you know, he's, he's going to give you power. Um, you know, he should give you, you know, at least 30 home runs, you know, you, you would hope. Um, so I think if you get that, because he walks a lot too. So, you know, if he can continue to walk um, and then just, you know, contribute that power i think he'll be fine um so yeah that's a good range for him and i think he'll i think he'll bounce back a little bit 
Speaking of bouncing back, Scott Kingery, will he not um, – uh, how do I say this politely? Yeah. Will he not suck? <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I don't know because, listen, he's not guaranteed a spot. Um, you know, because, you know, your infield's probably set with Hoskins, Segura, Didi, and Alec Boehm. Um, So, you know, your only really shot at him starting is in center. Um, and I think for me right now, Hazley's probably the guy right for right now for me, at least, uh, you know, it could be, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm not there, so I don't know what's going on, but, um, I think Hazley has the edge right now in center, but, uh, I think the biggest thing for Scott is just going to be to get at bats. Um, he'll probably be like a utility guy. Um, so I, th- you know, just get him in there, get him at bats. Um, I don't think he'll bat whatever it was, like 160 or whatever it was like he did last year. I think it was just a shortened season. I mean, he had COVID to begin the season. So, um, you know, uh, that obviously didn't help. So I think he will be better, but the biggest thing for him is just to get out bats. Okay. Now my last question, what do you think about the rotation so far and how will it round out? Well, obviously you have your top three in uh, Nola Wheeler and Eflin, uh, which I really like. Because I, I have high hopes for for Eflin, uh, and if Wheeler can continue what he did last year, then that's going to be great. And obviously, we know what Nola can do. So, um, I think those three should be good at, as the top three. Um, for me, right now, I probably have. Uh, I mean, even though he didn't play last year, and I think he played in Japan. And if I'm wrong, then please let me know. But um, I think Matt Moore would probably be your fourth because we just need a lefty in there so desperately, um, and he played well before he went overseas or, or didn't play last year, whatever it was. Um, so he was playing well. So I think he can be a good four for you. And then it comes down to your five. W- would you rather have Vince Velasquez or maybe Spencer Howard, if he can bounce back uh, from what he did last year? Cause his rookie year was not, you know, not good. Let's just be real as much as we like, like him. Um, so if he can have a good spring, maybe he, he can be your five. Um, but uh, I think for me it would probably go Nola Wheeler, Eflin, Moore, and then Howard. For me, um, I think Velasquez. You know, you know he's been around here for years. You know, we've seen what he can do for the rotation. He has one good start, and then I'll have five that are terrible. Um, I think he's just the perfect long guy for your for your bullpen. Um, you know, just in case your starter gets in some trouble, you bring him in, and you can you know you can pitch him for three or four innings. So, I think that should be his role. Uh, I think that's, you know, probably what he's best at. Um, so that's, you know, that'd probably be the rotation for me. But again, you know, you never know with spring training. Um, you know, some guy could be come out of nowhere and have a fantastic spring. So we'll see what happens. But for me, that's probably the the, the, the five guys for me. Okay. All right. And that was, that's really all that we have to talk about the Phillies. The only yeah, thing else I'm excited. I have to add, JT, he'll be back. Yep. Broken thumb. Broken thumb. He'll be back. Hopefully nothing too serious. Do they make uh, it over yeah. 500? I think we do. I think we do. Um, you know, with the additions that they made to the bullpen, I love. I mean, they just signed a bunch of veteran guys who've been, who've been around for a while. So uh, they know what their issue was last year, obviously being in the bullpen, which was worse than the MLB, and they, they made moves accordingly. So, I'm excited, man. Uh, you know, I really got excited when they signed JT. Um, Owning Hector Neris' rights. Okay, well, you just hate Hector Neris, but... Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited, man. I really am. Hector Neris being on the roster? I mean, yeah. As much as you hate it, he's going to be there. I'm sorry. Hector Neris blowing another, like, 16 saves this year? I mean, he may not even be the closer, so, you know, he won't have to blow the save for you. Hector Neris having a 4.5 ERA. It's not, it's not terrible. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I'll stop being mean to Hector Neris for now. But it's better April, than the April, we got from some guys last year. April 1st, it resumes. Yes, indeed. But... I, I think that's really all that we have for our podcast today. So we do want to thank you for uh, listening. Uh, 
take a look at us at uh, phlsportsnation.com. Go to the podcast tab. Go to the PHL bandwagon. You can find us on Anchor there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, now also on iHeartRadio. Wherever podcasts are available, we're most likely there. And if we're not, shoot us an email at phlthebandwagon at gmail.com and let us know what your thoughts are, what you think, and where we should be at it. Uh, you can follow us at the PHL Bandwagon on Twitter. You can follow me at PHL Ryan Michaels. You can follow Chip at PHL Chip Tiernan. You can also find us on Facebook at the PHL Bandwagon. Uh, we are going to get to Instagram. We're going to. Yeah, one, one of these, these days. days. One of these days. Going to happen. You know, it, we're just going to post so many pictures. You know, you're just going to be sitting there one day and you're going to go on Instagram and be like, hey. The Philly bandwagon now hasn't like it's just gonna happen. Like it's we're not gonna tell you it's just gonna happen. You know what I mean? So it'll happen eventually though. It will happen eventually. Uh, yeah, I I really think that's all we got this week, man. It, it's been a it's been a doozy. It's been a hectic week, man. It you know a lot of a lot of emotions. I I've been off from work for the last couple of days. And I'm I'm tired still. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right. Well, we thank you guys all for listening. We'll see you at the next stop. Fire Howie.